Pastor Rod asked me to share a couple things before I get started today, and he wanted to tell me about to me to give you Kevin a Hope City. Thanks for your Hope City reports. So let me just say a few brief things, and before I do that, I want to tell you thank you, thank you, thank you. I have a number of you that pour into the ministry on your own outside of what the church does for that ministry here, and we are blessed. You know, financial blessings we get in, we get clothes, we get food, um, which uh, let me just throw a shameless bag out. We have a, our, our lady that handles our food, um, oversees the food. She's happy to cook. She's like pioneer woman. You know, she really is. But she had a couple of operations almost back to back, and she was like, my doctor said that I'm, I'm, uh, I need to take a few weeks off. So through the month of September, she's not going to be able to cook. And so she was scrambling for people. She says, I have nobody for, for last week. So last week... My wife came and she made some macaroni salad and was like, okay, what are we going to make with that? I know what I'll do. I know what I can do real quick. So I made 80 sandwiches. 80 sandwiches, cut them up, put them together. That sounds pretty cool, but they usually get spaghetti, lasagna, stuff like that. So they were like, hey. And I just gave them the excuse, it's summer. Summer, we can cool down a little bit. Anyway, if anyone has a desire, and they love to help. I thought I'd, I'd just throw it out there. We're making lunches for about 40 people. We provide the food for you. You just cook it and bring it, and I'll take it from here. All right. Um, the, the report, the rest of the report goes like this. I, I was thinking about um, John the Baptist at the point in time when John the Baptist came in, and he, and he tells his disciples, hey, man, I'm in jail here. I'm locked up. My brothers forgot about me. He said, uh, go ask him, are you the one we're looking for? So I was thinking about that when Pastor Rod asked me to give a report. And my report's not as cool as that, but here it is. You know, we have people that are coming and going still from the church. We have people that are still struggling with addictions. They come back, they hear the word, they go back. We have people that give their life for a while, they're excited, something hits them and they go out and they still have to go and live among in the darkness, and they come back out, and that's their way of survival. And we have some that are coming that they call it their church, and they're listening to the Word of God, and they're hearing the Word of God, and their lives are changed. And some of the same team that you see up here have come down in there. I've got John Michael. I've got Pastor Garrett coming down, Pastor Rod, Pastor Steve. He's been our, our, our sunrise service. Guy, and these guys are just knocking it out of the park, too. So besides that, we've got people that have come down to do that. That's the Hope City Report. Let me just take care of some business. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. You made a promise, and you're God. You're God Almighty. You don't even have to do this, but everything you do, everything you say comes to pass. So you made a promise. You said where two or more are gathered in your name, that you be in the midst. And with that, we have the assurance that your presence is here right now. So, Lord, we thank you so much. Holy Spirit, you just take over. It's your service. Guide, lead, and direct us. Direct my words. May they be a, a sweet-smelling aroma to you, but may you use it to change our hearts, to stir us up to rebuke and exhort as only you can. May it all be done for your glory. 
We thank you, Jesus, for your gift to us, your eternal gift to us, your death on the cross. We love you, Lord, but only because you first loved us. We thank you for this time today. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all in agreement said, amen. amen. I've titled this message, and I'm not one of those guys that has titles to messages, but I just felt an impression. I, I usually, as, as we're doing at Hope City, we're, we just go through books of the Bible, and we let the Lord, Holy Spirit, lead us as we're going through the book, and that's just the way I've always taught. And occasionally, something like this comes up, and some months ago, when, when Rod, Pastor Rod said, I'd love you to be on the summer schedule, uh, almost immediately, as I was searching, the Holy Spirit just gave me something to share. So I've entitled this message, A Drink Offering, The Pouring Out and the Pouring In. A Drink Offering, The Pouring Out and the Pouring In. I'm going to take some time to encourage you, but let me start with our opening scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 6 through 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and, and it goes like this. Paul's writing he's, to Timothy, he says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. It's near the end of his life, really close to the end of his life. And I, as I was thinking about that passage of Scripture, I had two things that came to, to vision for me, something that happened very soon after this. Paul had delivered this letter. I had, I, I had this vision, my own vision of this head laying on the ground, separated from a body, the Apostle Paul's. But soon after that, he would be beheaded. I began thinking about, let me do like some crafty writers do it. Sometimes you go to the movie. We saw a great movie, my wife and I recently, I think we saw it on TV at home, um, where the writer started the movie at the end of the movie. And then he began to build on the life coming up to that end. So you saw how the movie led up to the end of his life. And that's what I had a, a picture of. The Apostle Paul's picture of the head, I don't know which direction his face was going or anything else like that. So I had that vision in my head. But I do have one that stood out to me some time back. I'm a hospice chaplain besides pastoring and being a chaplain at ACA. I still see some hospice patients. And, but this one comes to mind to me about six years ago. Now, a little bit longer than that, maybe seven, eight years ago, uh, I get a call. I'm a, a chaplain for one of the agencies I'm a chaplain for in Orange County. says, uh, we have a, a family that you want to get to, we want you to call. You to keep it to yourself because who this person is, call and see if they want you to come out. As a chaplain and a social worker in, in hospice, families can say, I don't want you to come. And when it, it's, I'm not spiritual, we don't, you know, need it. This particular family was a, a guy that some of you, if you've been here for a minute, you may know. Some of you are a fan of football, you may know this guy. His name was Deacon Jones. The family said, no, don't come out. We're, you know, he's not spiritual. Don't come by. But then I got the call at his death, and they said, come out. 
I remember when I got there to his house, the first thing I saw hanging off the side of uh, the chair, the bed that he was in, the bed that we provide for hospice, it was an extra long bed. He had lost quite a bit of weight as I got closer, but the first thing I noticed was his hand hanging over, hanging over the side of the bed. That big Deacon Jones hand, lifeless. Any of you that know Deacon Jones, they stopped, they actually changed a football rule because of him. Deacon Jones played on the line of scrimmage, the defensive line, and his first step as he came off the line was to slap the opponent on the side of the head and almost give him a concussion. They stopped that. I can imagine his hand, a big hand, actually the size of a helmet when he did it. But I had this picture in my mind of a lifeless person, the end of his life. And I started thinking about him because I know he was without faith. What about us who are in the faith? We're at the end of your life. And think forward. And even if you're young, because I remember being young once, like the Bible says, I was young and now I'm old. Yeah. You see me. You feel me. So I've been there and I know how young people will think sometime. My first week at Arrowhead Christian Academy as their chaplain, I remember the, the memo going out to it that like day three or day four, a lot of the staff members weren't going to be on campus because a young man had just graduated the year before passed away in an auto accident. So what I want to do is I want to stir us up a little bit, even though it sounds sad in the minute, let's get on with this that Paul's talking about preparing to pour a drink offering out in our life. And before we go into that, let me just take a step back and just share some things. Just you, I, I like sharing a, a little insurance before we go. I have three scriptures I want to share with you. The first scripture comes from uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I like sharing these things because I haven't shared up here in a while, and I just want to encourage you that whoever's up here, that anytime you hear the word of God, is that as if God is speaking to you. That's why I love sharing a lot of scripture. I spirit Eric from putting a bunch of scripture up today, but we have enough that even if you zone out on me, you can go back to the Scripture, and maybe God will give you something through the Scripture. The second Scripture is this, and this is Paul talking about a group of people called the Bereans. He had gone many places, and he said this about the Bereans. They, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the Word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were, sh- were so. Quite often at Hope City, I give this commercial Ready for the commercial? It's not on chewing gum or anything else like that. Read your Bible. Wow. Daily. I think it's part of the things you ought to do. This is the first fruits of the day because I find out if I read the, think about reading the Bible in the evening, I forget. I fall asleep. So it's the first thing I do. And then I just ask God just to speak to me through what it is. And he's giving me direction all through, regardless of my study time and preparation for messages and everything, I have daily time with God. And the third thing is, 
Like some of you probably said, I do that every day. I do it a couple times a day. I'm there. So for you people, I have one for you. In 1 Peter, he says this in verse 12, For this reason I would not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in this present truth. Yes, I think it's right as long as I, that I'm in this tent to stir you up. We're reminding you. All of us need a little reminder. I was thinking as I go throughout the Bible every year, I read through it about a time and a half a year, one of the things that happens to me quite often is the fact that I forget stuff. Pastor Ron Williams reads through the Bible about four times a year. I'm going, man, that's the dude. I want to get there, but the good part about it, if I did, I remember stuff better. Things would come back to me because we have to create a habit of doing things God's way and not our own way, especially when that old man rises up. You might know him. I know him well. Rises up in us. Here we are back to our lesson here. I want to talk a little bit about the drink offering, and I want to give you an idea of what Paul is talking about when he refers to the drink offering. He's talking about instead of the offering itself from Numbers, and in Numbers 28, in the first, verse, first eight verses, it says this, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my offering, made by fire is a sweet aroma to me. You, sh- you shall be careful to, do- to offer to me at that at their appointed time. And you shall say to them, this is your offering made by fire, which you shall offer to the Lord, two male lambs in the first year without blemish, day by day as a regular burnt offering, an offering, regular burnt offering. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer in the evening. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil is the regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for his sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And his drink offering shall be one-fourth of a hen of the lamb. In the holy place, you shall pour out the drink offering to the Lord as an offering. The other lamb you shall offer in the evening as the morning grain offering and as a drink offering. You shall offer it as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And I want to give you guys a picture of what that is and what Paul is saying here. We had these offerings that they were. It was a burnt offering. And here's the thing about the burnt offering. I'm going to share something with you that's pretty deep here. Ready? It's called the burnt offering because it was all burned up. That was deep. Say, that was deep. Yeah. But it gives a picture of what our life needs to be before God. Nothing saved, all used up. Day after day, after day, after day, after day. No matter what I'm doing, it's to be a complete offering. I love the thing that he says here, too, is to be without spot or without blemish. And I've read this, and as I'm going through, something that happens many times that should happen to the speaker before he comes up, if he's in preparation, he's going through things over and over again, it should hit you. Because I began to look at my life, and I began to look at the offering that God, that I've offered for the Lord myself. And sometime, it was a blemished lamb, pretty jacked up. A lamb that did not have, sometimes a lamb had three foot, okay, maybe sometimes only had one foot offering. It wasn't without spot, it wasn't without blemish. 
And when it came down to the drink offering, uh, I don't drink, but there's nothing wrong with it. Some of you probably, one, you got a cool cabinet that you keep maybe for dinner, wine, and you got that 1822, I'm just throwing out a number, wine in there that you've been saving. It's got the dust on it. It's got the thing. You're saving it out there. But then you go and buy that. You go and pour that out to the Lord, the wine you got yesterday. He wants the best. That's a picture of what happens, though, when Paul's talking about the drink offering. He says, my last offering. I've been pouring out my offering all along, and now I have one final offering. And at the end of that offering, I'm pouring it out. And and the thing about the drink offering, I kind of got this picture of after the rest of the offering is going down, a sweet steam kind of rises to the Lord before it dissipates. (laughs) It shows that here I am, God, the best of what I had. The very last of it is being poured out to you. The drink offering. Paul, what a great illustration of his life before us. Just before he's about to check out. I love what Paul does in every opportunity he gets. I, a few weeks ago, we finished the, the book of Philippians. And we're in the book of Galatians now down below at Hope City. And I, one of the things that I... I've loved that I've enjoyed about that is I'm seeing the, the life of Paul and every opportunity he has, he ministers to those around him. You, look at, you read the book of Philippians, you see in the book of Philippians, he's writing a, a thank you letter to the church that's always been there for them. He said, I've always been here for you. You guys have always been there for me. No other church gave to me. You guys gave. But at the end of the thank you letter, he takes every opportunity to share with them. Now, as you go on from here, here's how I want you to live your life. And he shares some good things. As a matter of fact, one of the things got me in, in the first chapter of that, uh, I think it's around verse 8 or something there, he goes, I want to tell you what really matters. I go, ooh. I couldn't wait to read the rest. Even I read it a bunch of times over and over again because I told you I already forget all the time. Paul goes in taking every opportunity, and I'll just share this a couple of times, take every opportunity you have to share Christ. Take every opportunity to be a light, to be salt to a world around you. Take every opportunity you can. Paul said this about the offering. He took the offering, that same offering of old, is talking to another church, and he made it alive. He was talking to the church in Rome, and he said this. You might be familiar with this passage of Scripture in the 12th chapter. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Going the same way, without blemish, he says, it's holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, an acceptable and perfect will of God. Take just a second, because one of the things he talks about that perfect offering is, our, is a mind that's renewed every day. Uh-oh, commercial break again. Read your Bibles. Pray to renew your mind. It'll change the things that happen in your life. Sometimes in the first hour of the day, my, night, my mind needs to be renewed. Wake up in the morning, 
Um, not what you see here. Sometimes, every once in a while, there's a grouch that comes, an old guy. Now, it doesn't express itself, but it doesn't say anything either. It doesn't get out joyfully. And right there, in that first few moments, Holy Spirit says, hey, here, here I am, somewhere in that reading. It changes my heart. It gets me prepared for today. A renewing of the minds. It's the sacrifice that we put out. What kind of sacrifice are you putting out living every day before God? He goes on as a church. I just want to encourage us to keep on. Paul says something here, and I'll go on to the next thing. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. We talked about this, this uh, a drink offering. Now we're going to talk about just the two things, and I'm going to leave you with these two things. The first one is the pouring out. The pouring out. And the pouring out takes place. I like the way Paul illustrates this to me. In 2 Timothy, I think this, the reference might be wrong there. I put that in. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul, in these things, if, we, if you read through it, if you'll read past the clues that Paul's given to Timothy that the Holy Spirit has left for you and I. He didn't say it was going to be easy. Every day, it's a fight. We got an old man that's dragging behind, that's yelling, hey, to the new man, slow down, wait for me. Every day of our life. It's the fight. The things that I don't want to do. Paul said, the things that I don't want to do, I do. Some of the things I do, I don't want to do. Wow, that's the Apostle Paul right in that. So I can imagine if he did it, we got to be honest enough to share. That's a struggle. It's a fight to be right. It's a fight to not want my own way. I like having things my own way. That's with God and other people. I want it my own way. Maybe there's somebody else, maybe just one other person here like that likes their own way. It's the thing that affects us in our marriages. It's the thing that affects us everywhere. We want our own way. Even when God tells us something. Oh, Lord, I think that's better. I love it, Ananias. You remember the scripture, the, the passage of scripture where Ananias goes to, to Paul? The God says, hey, go. I want you to go and lay hands on Paul, and he's going to see. And Ananias says, oh, Lord, you don't know who that dude is. Really, Ananias? God sees everything. That's what our life is like. We're like that. We're arguing with God all the time. We have the fight. This fight is for a couple things. One, the fight of, of faith. See, I have to believe with all my heart all the time and be renewed in my mind just what Christ did for me. I have had even some recent aha moments, even though I've known, I've, I've shared it, I've, I've taught it, I've done these things all my life, as just the, the fact that, man, like a, a dumb moment, like the fact that Jesus is the way, the only way. And what happens is because the world is always chasing after you, I have it at, on my school, I have it around, there, there has, they're saying to me, there has to be another way, it has to be a better way. You, got, you Christians are so close-minded. That's the word I get. You're so close-minded. You think that Jesus is the only way. There has to be an only way. You mean to tell me that there's no other way to get to heaven? You mean to tell me I'm a good person? It doesn't matter how I think of, consider 
the ways of Christ. Man's a man and woman's a woman. Oops, slip that in. There's another way. But I'm good. I don't, I'm not killing anybody. The Bible says you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, everything. That means you do what he asks you to do. And he said, Jesus is the only way. So be it. So when I'm grateful, I sit and I'm grateful for that. And I need to be, carry that in my mind because that's fighting the good fight of faith. Starting out with that, and then here's the other thing. It's a personal call on your life. Personal call on your life. It doesn't mean that your call is pastoral. God's given you an occupation. Let me just share this. Here's what a revelation that came to me. Do you remember Jesus? He's walking into the disciples, and he comes to them, and he says to a group of disciples that were fishermen. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I gave you an occupation. You guys fish well. You're good, but I'm going to teach you how to fish men. I'm going to teach you how to use the gospel. And last, in the last service, one of our guys was, used to be a pilot. And I shared how, you know, I wondered how a pilot would get people to know Jesus. And I was thinking, boy, if I was a pilot, all of a sudden we'd be cruising along in Delta, and I'd just go, nosedive, oh, you guys, I don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden I said, but if you give your life, let's everyone pray. We'll pull it back up. He, he laughed too. But he came to me after service. He said, here's what I do. He said, every time when I was a pilot, he flew for commercial airlines. He said, I'd have this picture of my wife and I in the, I think, pilot room, whatever room he told me it was. And people would walk by it, come through the people that were coming to take him on the plane. And he said they were asked questions because of the, the divorce rate amongst pilots was very high. And normally, pilots had a side, a little side stuff. A lot of pilots have a little side stuff. All right, see me after if you don't know what side stuff is. <laughs> and his wife is beautiful, and she's sitting there, and he goes, they would ask him, they would start off, hey, is that your girlfriend? He said, no, that's my wife of 25 years. And he said, it'd be wide open. And he would ask, well, how do you stay with someone for 25 years? Uh-oh, the hook. And we share Jesus with him. That was the hook. If God's got you in a place, maybe you're a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer. Someone comes to you with tooth pain and you're going to be, ah, ah. All right. You got a great audience at that point. Maybe God wants to use you in the ministry. Whatever God wants to do. It's a, it's a time of seeking God. I love the Apostle Paul because the Bible says he spent time with God longer than he did with anyone else. He knew where his call came from. His call came from God. He was excited. I was sharing as we opened up the book of Galatians, two things he said as he's ministering to the church there. The first thing he said to the church was this. Check this out. And this is your calling too. He said, before anyone knew who I was, God called me. Before my parents were pregnant, before anyone knew, God called me. And then he had even a greater excitement. His second excitement was this. He said, and one day, God, I'm paraphrasing the passage of Scripture, I was blessed 
that God gave me revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And when you and I get that revelation, if we'll just take time, some time to meditate on what, who Christ is and what he's done for us and the sacrifice that he has made for us, because there's no way we get to heaven without that sacrifice. And when we contemplate hell, and if we were to contemplate this very moment that Paul's talking about at the end of our life, it would change how we think, what our priorities are day by day. It would change everything about our lives. And all of a sudden, we're ready to be that living sacrifice. Church, I want to encourage us to be that way when we go. The outpouring. The last thing, these last two things he said to finish. He has a call in your life, finish the race. To one of the churches, he says, watch how you run the race. Run the race in a, in a manner that's pleasing to God. It's a paraphrase on that. And then he says, and keep the faith. Always remember that Christ is. Here's the second of two things I wanted to pour out, talk about the, the, the drink offering here. I think there's a natural, nowhere in scriptures that use this way, but I think there's a natural thing that happens when we pour out our lives for Christ. There's a pouring in. There's a pouring in for others. A couple of weeks ago, I get the name dropped. Now he's here. John Michael made an announcement about something that was going on, an exciting thing that was going on in the youth. I happened to be here to hear it because it's one of the things I didn't know that we were doing as a church. And he got his young adults, I said youth, the young adults, to go in and attend another Bible study, a midweek Bible study at someone's house that's going on. And they went in and they went into that study. See, as a church, this when I was thinking about this message some way back, my thought was, as a church, we need to be doing this. In a moment, I have, I have a scripture for you that shows that we need to be doing this. There needs to be this cross-pollination, the young with the old, the, the experience with the inexperience, the experience listening to the young, seeing how the change begins. Check this out. Every generation has something that they're dealing with, and they don't deal with the same things we're dealing with now. So we have to have a, some type point where we're listening to one another. The young adults with the older adults, we throw some youth in there, maybe with the ne their next generation, some children in there with the next generation. We need to cross-pollinate. Here's something I didn't say in the last service, but it gets me because God puts me in places all the time where I have an opportunity to meet people, and I run into people who used to be at this church. The first time I spoke about eight years ago, we were at the junior high, and we had quite a few more than we do in the combination of both our services. And I'll say something to you guys right now. The numbers in the church, that's God's business. But let me share your business. Here's our business. If somebody leaves, they need to leave full. I'll say it again. If somebody leaves, they need to leave full. I'm used to that at Hope City. We, we give out food. I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about spiritual food. They leave our church. That's God's business. If they leave, their knapsack is full. Now go. Because some people are called to go. Go and do it God's way. But they need to leave full. That means that us, our responsibility is to look around and bring people in 
Our responsibility, I don't care if I'm the worship leader or whatever, if there's people that are going to worship, I'm going to teach them worship is first to God. It's not just your voice. I love the way you sing, but there's a spirit behind it that needs to follow. We need to teach it. If you're married, some of us, we're going on our 176-year marriage. We may have something to share to the next person that's, that's thinking about marriage. Just tell them what's important. You have something to share. God's put something in you. There's a ministry that, that he knew that he called you to from the beginning. Final scripture I'll share on that. Here's what the church should look like. Paul talking to a Gentile young man that he called his child. Titus in chapter 2 and first five verses read like this. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they, that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may be not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Here's my final word. What are you saying there? The whole thing. First of all, you guys be examples. You guys be examples to those around you. Be lights. Draw those in. Come together. Order. One of the older women train up the younger women. How to love your husbands. I love your kids. Sober-minded people. That's what God wants. He wants that. Let me pray for us. Lord, you've called this body together for a reason. You knew who would be here today, but you knew who would be a part of the body at this time. Lord, I look out over those who are gathered here right now, and I see men and women who are well capable of fulfilling the things that you call them to do. But I also see that they're able to pour out and pour in so much more, myself included. First of all, Lord, I ask that you forgive us for not extending ourselves and making, our, making sure that our offering is always the purest, always the best for you. And that when we have opportunity, that we have not filled the, the knapsack of someone around us that needs their knapsack filled. So, Father, I pray you give us the ability to be, the ability to be sensitive to your spirit. May we hear what your spirit is saying to us. May we we be guided and led by you. May we step, not taking a break. May we step out in appreciation of what you've done for us.
in reverent fear of you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the examples of the Apostle Paul, that a man can live a life that's obedient to you. So Lord, I ask you to bless each and every person here. I thank you for all that you give. I thank you for your word, Father God. I thank you for your spirit that guides and leads. And Lord, we'll say thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, 